Hey there, you're listening to Combo Breaker, a one-two punch of enthusiasm. Each week, I present a tiny interruption to share something that I'm digging on. I'm your host, Cole, and you can check out OKRetro.Zone to stay on top of new podcasts, videos, and more. So, here we go. Okay, so I'm stuck in a few different projects I can't necessarily talk about at the moment, which is in fact exciting, but also silly because it stops me from talking about a few topics that I'm super digging on. But this past week, my wife was able to come visit me out here in California, and I was like, um, okay, well, I got a beach, that's cool, okay, we can go to the beach, and then, what else, I'm so overwhelmed out here with, like, everything that you could do, I don't even know what what there is to do, but I did know there's Disneyland. So, yeah, your girl got some tickets to Disneyland. So, one, I like to stress out about everything. Two, I'm really bad at surprises. So, just a a little backstory on this wind-up here. I bought the tickets like two weeks ago, and I was like, ha ha ha, she'll never know. But also, secrets suck, because I can't share the excitement. So, I was like, when do I tell her? So, I made it about 45 minutes into her being into town, uh, because I was like, well... Do I do I do it in the morning? Do I do it like do I just drive there and be like, oh shit, here we are? I don't know. I just hated it. It sucked. I wanted to share the excitement, but the only thing that I was actually really worried about is uh, making a boarding group for the Rise of the Resistance, and that's it. And usually I stress about everything. I just wanted to do the Star War. So fast forward. It's the morning of our Disneyland trip. I have a Vietnamese iced coffee in hand, and we make it to the park. We make it into a boarding group. 136. The odds are super not in our favor, but we had a boarding group, so nothing to stress about. But we've never been to Disneyland. We maybe got engaged at Disney World with the whole eating and drinking around the world at Epcot, but like, whatever. I don't consider us a Disney family. I mean, Star Wars helps that, but there's more Disney movies I haven't seen than I've seen, you know? Like, I... if you tried to, like, challenge me to tell you the stories of all the Disney princesses, I don't know if I could do it. And I feel like that is a a gauge of your, your Disney-ness. But I don't know. But Disneyland. My first observations. Um, obviously, it has a smaller footprint than Magic Kingdom, at least up until the addition of Galaxy's Edge was added. I don't really know. But there's just so much stuff to do. And I feel like there's... Um, at least at Magic Kingdom, there's space and I, I don't know what to call it. I'm going to say breathing room, but there's just these uh, very visible spaces where you can kind of get out of the way where I that wasn't overtly apparent at Disneyland. I just think it's been like really like hella intentional and strategic in the way that it has been built and modified over time. Because it, it feels like you're in New Orleans and you're going through alleys and then you turn and then there's pirates and you're like, oh shit, pirates. And then you kind of just fall into... Frontier, I don't know. It, it There's a different flow for sure. But I'm going to get right out in front of everything. I fucked up. I didn't get a Dole Whip or a churro. And I've paid dearly for my transgressions. But the first place we went to check out was Adventureland. And we went on the Indiana Jones ride, which is very cool. Um, I love like darker rides and fire is fun. Um, but it was a ride I'd never been on. And I knew that it existed. I knew it was very similar to the dinosaur ride in um, 
ride mechanics from uh, Animal Kingdom. So I was really excited. I was just really happy there wasn't a giant T-Rex that like flipped out of the side to like yell at you. Um, But even the line to get to the ride was cool. It has this like peak little coal aesthetic. Little Me wanted to be like this mashup of museum characters like Carl Akeley or Lara Croft. If you took both of the animal killing away from both of them, looking at you, Lara, killing bears and raptors in a cave. But like the the set dressings for Indiana Jones or the Jungle Cruise, like that expedition aesthetic, just like super vibes with like little me. I like grew up going to like um, science museums and stuff like that. And I always just wanted to be the adventurer, which is cool. Like, like looking back on it, like I could have wanted to be anything as a little kid and I just wanted to like throw a backpack on get some binoculars and go into like a cave not that you would have binoculars in a cave but I just wanted to like go and do so Indiana Jones is cool that's what I'm getting at uh something I immediately noticed and I don't know if this has always been the case but the rides are dark of course tonally like Mr. Toad and Pinocchio and Splash Mountain is kind of fucked up but like the visual of the ride was also dark. Like it was dimly lit, um, at least more dimly lit than I anticipated. I'm looking at you, Splash Mountain. And Pirates of the Caribbean also had some like darker scenes. But this is just an observation. I don't know if um, lights were out or what, but um, just some of the rides, I was just like, is this scene supposed to be lit? I mean, it's creepy. So like, whatever, I'll lean into it. Um, But that, yeah. I try to stay in like Frontierland and Adventureland, um, you know, as I didn't want to just like run guns blazing into Galaxy's Edge, but um, before too long, I got that itch to go to a galaxy far, far away. So we were kind of walking around, and my wife turns. She's like, "We should do. We should go to Galaxy's Edge. Do you do you want to go now?" And I was like, "110 percent. Let's go right now." <laughs> um, but walking in there, like is bonkers, right? So if I try to zoom out a little bit, I had this feeling like as a little kid, if I could have seen or thought I could see a life-size Millennium Falcon, I think I would just like collapse and sob. Like it's such a long shot of a reality, right? So as I walked towards the area, we passed this X-Wing and I was like, oh, oh shit, this is real. Like you heard it's like engines kicking on and like I was just like, oh, I don't know if I'm emotionally prepared for this. And this is being an adult who has their shit together for the most part. Um, but Galaxy's Edge is the Star Wars component of Disneyland. It's the home of Black Spire outpost on the planet of Batuu. So there's this whole like mythos built around this area, which is very cool. And as a kid who would play the crappy Yoda RPG game and Dark Forces and pretend to be part of the Rebel Alliance you know, and build cardboard and pillow fort Millennium Falcons to crawl inside my living room, like, Batu was unreal. And I think a lot of Disney's appeal, if we're speaking in general terms, is turning fantasies into reality and making small and large stories into stories you can literally walk into and be a part of. And I, I love that. A lot of my graduate research was about fabricated spaces and narratives a la natural history museum dioramas, and places like Disney. Thus my excuse for a research trip that ended up with me getting engaged. But I love fabrication, the forced perspective, and the maybe not realistic but believability of things. Sure, I know that's not a pirate, 
but it's believable given the setting. There's these visual cues I'm seeing, the smell of fire and gunpowder, like, you name it. I'll buy it, it's a pirate. But, but too, it's crazy, especially if you think of the visual language and means within Star Wars. You have, what is it, ice cream makers that are, have been used as, like, lockbox, like, Bismarck carriers, you know, that you see in The Mandalorian, and I believe it's in A New Hope when Vader gets on the... Rebel Carrier? I could be wrong on that second part, but you know, the razor blade walkie-talkie of Qui-Gon Jinn. It's something I loved at the beginning of Solo as well, like being in a movie made fairly current day, but taking place pre-A New Hope, it had to have some of the, the same like visual vernacular to place it within those spaces. So you, there was like things that were semi-recognizable of like, I've seen that at Home Depot, but it's dressed up a bit to make it a little less familiar. But Batu feels familiar because of that Star Wars verbiage. And I think it's oh, I think it's built for older Star Wars fans. And I don't I'm gonna work through this. I don't necessarily mean age, but like defaultly a land dedicated to Star Wars is cool as hell. But I think it hits differently for someone who's ten versus someone who saw Star Wars potentially in the 70s and the 80s and 90s when they like redid them and that was a whole mess. But there's been this visual journey as well as the technological leaps we've had in our reality that has made this possible. So I like, I don't know, it makes me think of like video games, right? Like there's people who've never played Super Mario 64 or Super Mario World and the the language and things we've learned from those games, you could apply some of that, like, those learns to contemporary games like Super Mario Odyssey. Um, so I don't know. Like, obviously, like, a seven-year-old can be like, hell yeah, I've seen every Star Wars movie and this is fucking bomb. Um, but I, I think it just hits generationally differently, if that makes sense. Everyone can be a Star Wars fan, big or small, all that jazz, fuck yeah, fandom, don't be a jerk. But I think there's a nuance there that, like, I I recognize that even though I've seen every Star Wars movie and love Star Wars so much and want to get the Millennium Falcon tattooed on my thigh so he's shooting out of it, it is shooting out of my shorts. Like, I know that my my experience with Star Wars is not the same as someone who saw A New Hope in theaters 47 times and i'm cool with that you know what i mean how did this get to star mm, okay i mean this might be a lot of star wars talk what i'm saying is star wars is cool disney magic imagineering combination is it'll make you cry maybe not cry <clears throat> but let's get back to it um we flew the millennium falcon it was amazing um i ended up Riding the ride twice. I think having a group of six that you're traveling with or like know or whatever will probably make that experience way better. The second time I rode the ride, I was with a family of five um, and they were on their phones recording the ride. So like it was fun as a ride, like you, the physical motions of flying the Falcon, like woo, fun through space. Uh, but being surrounded by people not only who aren't doing the intended thing of the ride, but also being 
in this weird separated space being behind their phone and just sitting there was really, really bizarre. Because then I was sitting there watching them on their phones watching the ride. And it was just like, uh, the ride was still fun, uh, but it, it was odd. I don't really know how to explain that. I'm going to stick on the Star Wars path here real quick, but uh, eventually in the evening, our boarding pass for the Rise of the Resistance was in fact called around like 8.30 at night. Um, we waited about an hour to move through the queue and my friends. I cannot stress to you enough how bonkers of an experience it is. Um, many people know the premise, at least the basics, but as a little brief summary, you're part of the Resistance. You have to get from are you the resistance space that the queue has pulled you through and you have some information about like a hidden base and you're just trying to like get out of dodge because the first order is coming and you don't want to be captured well the first order shows up and then um some tomfoolery occurs and you have to get back home i won't go further into that Except that you can, or if you have a little one with you, um, there's a game you can play in the queue that fleshes out some of the behind the scenes events as you go through the ride. Um, so you can kind of see how, you know, point A to B to C kind of is happening outside of the space that you're in because there's so many moving parts within that ride. And it's also a substantially long line. Uh, the boarding groups obviously keep you moving, but it's long. <clears throat> but uh, let's see, from a physical ride standpoint, it does some crazy stuff, like literally so many moving parts. The first part of the ride, I won't spoil all the things, this is just like a an observation thing, um, but the first part of the ride functions similar to Star Tours. The queue itself leads you through this rebel base and the ride begins as you're like boarding the space carrier. Some exposition occurs and uh, one thing... I still can't figure out exactly is you board on one side of the craft and then you exit the same side through the same door you walked through in a totally different space. Like, sure, of course you moved, but like how and where I mean, like, I can probably draw you like the ride maps for many rides from like magic kingdom, but this one like genuinely baffled me because you're so caught up in the moment of who, what, when, where, of what's happening. As soon as you step through that threshold like, I don't know if it has to do with something with, like, you know, how you for, you forget what you're doing when you walk through a doorway. How, like, your brain gatekeeps information like that. Or what, like, what psychological things. I don't know. Obviously, you're, you're, you're moving around a bit. You're in a space carrier. But the, the, the genuine magic of walking through a door and then being retrieved through that same door was, like, I literally was, like, what the fuck is happening? Um, <clears throat> it was very cool. But we went on the ride. It was amazing. And, um, you know, as one does, you get off the ride and you're like, oh, my God, that was so cool. Like, ah, uh, so much Star Wars. Um, try not to ruin anything. Uh, but we were walking back through like Batu's like Outlands. There's this really cool kind of nebulous space between Frontierland and Galaxy's Edge where they kind of melt together. Um, it's very cool. Uh, but we were talking and I went to turn to say something to my wife and Chewbacca was right next to me. Yeah. And yeah, I was, I was startled because like, what the, where the fuck did he come from? I'm saying fuck a lot. I'm so sorry. Um, but I was like, where did he come from? There, there was, n there was no crowd around him. He just, he just showed up there. So I was just, of course there's a giant Wookiee. And I was like, oh, hey, Chewie. How's it going? 
He made his sound and we waved and continued. It was fucking surreal. I cursed again. I'm so sorry. It was bonkers though. And I guess I'm focusing on Star Wars a lot because it's new or whatever, but I think it just embodies the magic that was at the start of it all with the creation of Disneyland. I was a part of this world, flew a spaceship that I never thought I'd see life-size and in person, and then casually met the pilot. Like, there was no orchestrated queue with cast members weaving people around, and I, I literally was walking, turned to my left, and maybe that's something just Disneyland does, and I just don't know. It was crazy. Like, I was chilling by Pirates of the Caribbean and Jack Sparrow was, like, dicking around. I don't know, Disneyland just feels alive. Like, people are always moving and present, and perhaps it's because things are closer together, but it just feels very different from Magic Kingdom. Like, I guess Disneyland kind of feels like the Wild West a little bit, and my experiences at Magic Kingdom, which have been many years now, seem far more, like, curated and staged, where I didn't see that staging the other day. I don't know. But we're going to jump off this this Star Wars hype train for a little bit. Um, but uh, for me, like, my, my visit was great. There was the Jungle Cruise and our boat didn't sink. I'm looking at you, Magic Kingdom, from this week. Um, Space Mountain has, like, this, like, you can't really hear it, but it sounded like, like a big band James Bond-esque music that played during the ride. It was great. I want that every time. It made me think of Moonraker. It was awesome. Um, the Haunted Mansion, which is a family favorite, is under renovation right now. So we got to see a beautiful scrim, but I would like to see the beautiful ride. Thunder Mountain was also great. There's explosions and the queue is also really nice and kind of weaves around a landscape instead of being in like a mining building um, like in Florida. Um I love rides, but also I I love the queue if the queue just isn't a queue. If I'm going to be here for a little bit, just give me something to look at, you know? <laughs> oh, and the Matterhorn? That ride is great! I loved it so much. I have a thing for yetis and Bigfoots and swamp apes and the abominable, abominable, abominable snowman. I can't say that fast. I mean, but come on, I do a podcast called The Night Society where we talk about paranormal and cryptozoological things. I was eating this shit up. Oh, and Monstro? With his creep eyes by the storybook boat thing? No, thank you. No, thank you, please. But Disneyland's tagline is the happiest place on Earth. Yeah, totally. I'll give you that. The castle, though, much smaller than I anticipated, but it doesn't diminish the feeling of walking down main street into this like magical portal of fun times and upon reflection i guess i guess we might be a disney family i didn't want to waste our time foolishly so have i watched an absurd amount of disneyland content on youtube a hundred and ten percent i guess i just like magic damn it and knowing where to get good food also the spicy pickles oh, so good and of course, I had the obligatory Mickey ice cream bar. So like, come on. I actually ended up down the rabbit hole of Disney videos, starting with Defunct Land and other amusement park history lesson type videos. And it just kind of spiraled. Uh, Disneyland opened in July of 1955. I mean, Walt Disney built it thinking it would be around for a while. And it has gone through like so many renovations, large and small, and sponsors coming and going from rides and 
attractions. But I wonder in 1955 what the concept of the future Disneyland would have looked like. Like outside of Star Wars not being created yet, there's no way a space like Galaxy's Edge could have been conceived to the scale of which it is. It's just mind-blowing. And don't even get me started on it all stemming from a little old mouse. Like, that's a whole other, another thing. I don't know. I guess we are a Disney family. I just like the pageantry and the magic, okay? I regret nothing except the churro and the dull whip. <sighs> I guess this is more of an overview ramble of Galaxy's Edge, but holy hell. If you can go, get out there, get at it. I totally forgot to mention we were walking through part of Galaxy's Edge and uh, Kylo Ren came out of like nowhere and I was uh, purchasing a beverage and my wife was like, holy shit. And I was just like, what are you doing? She was just like, he's right there. And I'm like, go to him. (laughs) And she like ran away like a, uh, I don't even know. What, what do kids enthusiastically, like a, a, a little doggo chasing a ball. That was her running to Kylo Ren. Um, so quickly, she turned to the dark side without me. But yeah, there's just moments like that. Got to casually meet Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh. That's a dope. I don't know. I'm 30-something. You know, like, I don't want to... I think the thing is, that has come with a little bit of age is I think, like, had I gone to these amusement parks, like, as a teen or maybe in my early 20s, I'd probably, like, shit on it. Like, whatever, like, dude in a costume. But I, it's part of the magic is watching interactions of, like, other people, whether they're little kids or adults, and how they respond to characters and things. Because, like, when you're, like, I just decided, like, we saw Winnie the Pooh, and I'm like, yes, let's go say hello to Winnie the Pooh because there could be a little kid watching me not responding to Winnie the Pooh. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that might, that might be putting too much on me or whatever, but like, like selfishly, but like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want (laughs) to, I keep wanting to be like, I don't want to yuck anyone's yum, but I don't want to, I don't want to be stupid and in my own shit to not celebrate something or someone and for somebody, like, for, like, a little kid or whatever to, like, ma- potentially lose that magic. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I don't know. I- I'm excited to go back to Disneyland and kind of be over the-, the shock and awe of, like, the first trip. And then explore a little bit more. Just because there's so much. So much, pals. I didn't think this would get so, like, existential here at the end. Shit. Well, I'm going to leave us there. Thank you so much for listening to Combo Breaker for a one-two punch of enthusiasm. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast, and if you did, I hope you share it with a friend. And follow me on that their social medias at We Are Okay Retro to see what I'm up to. I'll be writing a little reflection on Wild Arms 2 now that I've completed it over at uh, OKRetro.Zone, and we've just started playing Sonic Adventure over on Twitch, so if you want to hang out and chat in real time and watch me wrestle a fun camera... Um, come hang out. But I hope you all have a fantastic week. Until next time. Come on, come on, come on, come on.